0: The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. Pleasure to be with you this month. Our guest today is Michael Canarak, Managing Partner and Attorney at Canarak & Canerac. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Frank. So, Michael, you know, we did a show previously, and in our previous show, we were talking a little bit about the tax side of passing an estate with New Jersey, with the federal exemptions and things of that nature. And yet, it's interesting is there's many people that won't have a a tax problem or it might be minimal. However, the reason for doing the type of planning that you do and for the advice that we're providing to people is to really make sure that their intent and their life's work ends up going the way that it should because it's different nowadays. I mean, we live in a world with a 50 percent divorce rate, perhaps even higher nowadays. Uh, Forever doesn't always mean forever anymore. And we also are living in a time where it's like kids have problems, they have issues. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that whatever we do in our lives, that we protect our families and our legacy of what we'd like to see happen happens.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, People sometimes mistake the term estate planning for estate tax planning. However, estate planning really en- encompasses a lot more than that and, and touches upon the issues that you're, you're talking about now.
0: So, Michael, one of the things I'd like you to maybe address for us and uh, for our listeners is the fact that, you know, I know over the years that, you know, when I've been sitting down with people, I've been doing, giving them advice, and we've been doing planning and coaching them. You know, it's it's common – you know, in the past that what we would see is is that, you know, a husband and wife may have a will and what I have goes to my wife and vice versa, or we might even have a trust. And then all of a sudden you read a little bit further in the will and it says, and if something happens to both of us at the age of 21 or 25, we're just going to leave the assets out to the kids. And in today's day and age, in light of what's going on and, you know, know, the the young people today are called millennials. And the fact is, is many of them don't get married or whatever till much later in life is What are you seeing and what's some of the planning that you're putting in place to help people to manage around some of these things in order to make sure that, you know, their kids are protected and and these young adults are protected?
1: Yeah, I I mean, there's two uh, conversations around trust that I'll have pretty much 100% of the time with clients. Um, And and that's a first-death conversation around trust, what happens when the first spouse dies. uh, And... And then that's the second death conversation. What happens when the second spouse dies? Um, as far as the second spouse dying, that's sort of where you're going with the millennial conversation. Um, as you said, we sort of see um, wills out there that say, hey, at the second death, the assets go to the kids, and as long as they're over 21 or 25, then they just get their share directly. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I believe that it makes a lot more sense to hold assets in trust for children, even past the age of 25, um, you know, for, for several reasons. I mean, A, a 25 at, at, at this point in time can be fairly young. I mean, every kid is different. Sometimes it's. Have a super Sometimes they responsible- are just starting
0: out in their first job at 25-year-olds. That, that's right.
1: You have super-responsible 25-year-olds that can handle all, anything that comes their way, and you have super-irresponsible 25-year-olds that can't handle anything, and you probably get everything in between. Um, but in general, I think that's a fairly young age. Two is that uh, when we – terminate trust whether it's at 25 or 30 or 50 or whatever it is when we terminate trust generally those assets will end up directly in the name of the beneficiary in, in this case children um, by ending trust and putting assets in the name of a child as opposed to in trust for the child you, know, you potentially lose a few important benefits um, you know one is creditor protection if a child um, runs into creditor problems later on in life The fact that the assets are held in a trust is going to be very beneficial to that child. The assets in the trust are not going to be up for grabs in a a creditor situation in general. Um, The other reason, uh, you know, another creditor, you know, divorce. If a child gets divorced, um, there's some laws out there protecting children's inheritances, but there's there's ways to to cause them to uh, lose those protections. Keeping them in a trust is a way that we assure that they remain protected from divorce. Yeah,
0: I've told clients for years it's a lot easier um, to have assets left in the trust than to have an, a conversation around, okay, I'd like to have an agreement before, you know, a prenup before we get married because sure, right. it's like it just makes it a little awkward versus saying, well, I may have assets, but my assets are held in trust. It was established by my parents. That's right,
1: yeah. If, if, for, for if, if the prenup is, um, you know, due to having a large amount of assets that were inherited, uh, yes, you could avoid that conversation by keeping the assets in the trust and not worrying about having the prenup. Um, you know, another advantage of the trust planning is that the assets can uh, remain in the bloodline uh, you know, so that if, I, if, if my parents left something to me, And they wanted to make sure that if something happened to me, it would go to my children, their grandchildren, right? They could set that up via trust. They could say, you know, here's we're going to hold it for you for your lifetime. But when you die, it goes to your kids as opposed to it going to me directly when I attain 25 or 30 or 35. And now I could do whatever I want with it. I I could leave it to a spouse. I could leave it to my friends. I could leave it to a girlfriend. You know, either way, um, you know. This way, my parents get to direct. Hey, here's what's going to happen to the, to the inheritance I left you. It goes down to your children, and if you don't have any children, it goes to our other children. You know, my siblings. It's
0: a, it's a great point because I, I, you know, what I've noticed over years is, is that people become more and more concerned with this. Yep. You know that you know the distribution, the asset protection, and then you know the other side of that is is you know s- s- some people uh, become mature a little bit later in life, so they're trying to hold back a little bit, and then the other side of that, you know, when they're holding it back, they're trying to give that person um, a reason to go to work every day, you know, a reason to have a purpose in their life, not that they would have inherited assets and go, I don't have to work. That's right. Yeah. So they want them to have some meaning.
1: Yep. Um, And then, you know, touching on what I had said earlier, that trust planning potentially for the first death... Um, is how, you know, how do I leave assets to a spouse? Uh, I think you know the, the common way and the way that probably 90-some percent go is I leave my assets directly to my spouse, and that might be fine and work for people, but there's, there are reasons to not do that. Um, certainly in situations where you're in a second marriage and you have children from a previous marriage, by leaving your assets directly to the new spouse, you don't know that the new spouse is going to leave them back to your children. Um, you know They might sit there and do a will right next to you and, and in their will say, yep, the assets are going back to you know, your children. But after you die, they could change their will. Uh, nothing prevents anybody from changing their will. So We've seen it happen. Yeah, it, ha- it happens all the time. Um, also, you know, a fear of a remarriage. What if, what if I die, I leave all my assets to my spouse, and then my spouse gets remarried? um you know will those assets ultimately go back to my children you know maybe maybe not Um, in addition if the spouse got remarried having the assets in trust for them would protect them from a divorce similar to how the trust protected the children in our previous example now the surviving spouse who remarries could stand to have protection in the event of a or remarriage.
0: You know, what's interesting is, you know, it always depends upon, and why I say it depends upon, it's, it's the mindset and how the question is typically framed to someone, which is, if I were to explain to someone and say, well, you have two options. One option is I can leave assets outright to a spouse, or I can leave assets in a trust for the benefit of your spouse, giving them all access to whatever they need, but protecting the assets for the benefit of your children as well. Most people say I'll sign up for number two, you know, right. which is, yeah, I want to take care of my spouse and I want to make sure that my kids are protected. But it's interesting that 90-some-odd percent of the wills that you know we see leave assets just outright to the spouse, and it doesn't even talk about the trust. And yet on our previous show, we spoke about the fact that you could have a trust for some tax planning. But the reason for today's show is really to say, but you might want to consider a trust, and it has nothing to do with taxes. That's right.
1: Yeah, this would be more uh,
0: protection and control planning. Great perspective. And then just as we're kind of wrapping up this conversation, Michael, we're seeing with some of our older clients that it's becoming more and more common that we're seeing people sometimes put their assets in trust while they're alive. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you can just take a moment on that since we're talking about this trust conversation of the benefits of having assets in a trust while they're living.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Putting assets in a trust while you're alive could be done, you know, potentially for several reasons. One would be estate tax planning, right? I have uh, $20 million of assets in my name, and that's over the exemption limits that we had talked about last time, and how do I start to reduce the size of my estate? And, and then there's a whole bunch of strategies around, you know, gifting or selling assets to a trust. or you know, The sky's the limit on the amount of strategies we have out there. But, but there I mean. are
0: strategies for people that need that kind of planning.
1: Absolutely. Um, so... Um, yeah, there, there is a bunch of advanced strategies, and some aren't even that all that advanced, simple gifting strategies uh, where you could start to divest yourself during your lifetime of assets to reduce the size of your estate for estate tax purposes. Very good. And then with just regard to uh, asset management,
0: because I'm seeing that a little bit where people are saying, you know what, if I have assets in trusts and then my kids are, you know are named as trustees along with me in the event that I'm incapacitated, I can't manage them. Does it facilitate through the trust of helping them to manage the assets a little bit
1: better? It, it does, yeah. Um, you know, by putting the assets in the trust, you're essentially putting the trustee in control of the account. So even if I if I moved assets to a trust and became mentally incapacitated, it's it's the trustees who would have management, you know, over those trust assets and not and not me. So um, you know, you can accomplish something similar via power of attorney um, that we talked about last time, but. You know, and, and the trustee situation is actually a little bit easier to use than a power of attorney.
0: Got it. So for our, you know some of our older clients, it's just a little bit of food for thought. Absolutely. Very good. So, Michael, it's been a pleasure having you with us today. For all of our listeners, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. Our guest today, Michael Canerick, managing partner at Canerick and Kanarik in Township, New Jersey. And this has been Frank Angelos, your host. We thank you for being with us. We wish you a great month. And again, this has been Discovering Responsible Wealth brought to you by the Institute of Responsible Wealth. Have a great month. Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian.